If you take out your Bibles, John chapter 3. When you think of all of the chapters in the Bible that have the deepest impact on the doctrine of salvation, how does one become saved? It really is the Gospel of John chapter 3 that provides the, the clearest view of what it really means to be a child of God. Probably many of you have experienced, if you haven't, you likely will in your time as a believer. If you know the Lord and you're here today, um, perhaps you've had someone say to you in a derogatory way, oh, you're one of those born-agains. It's used in our society, actually, as, as kind of an insult. It's certainly used by cults. Mormons derogatorily will refer to Bible-believing Christians as born-agains. And yet, as we draw our attention now to the third chapter of John's Gospel, uh, we find Jesus has a very different view of the term born-again than the world has. The world uses this as a way to say, see, that's, that's just too exclusive. That's too narrow. And yet Jesus says, you must be born again. Would you join me and let's pray? Father, thank you for the simplicity of, of the gospel, for the incredible simplicity of your plan of salvation. Lord, it's not complex. The youngest child can understand it. The greatest college professor can understand it. A truck driver can understand it. A teacher can understand it. A mom, a dad. It's that simple. Lord, we thank you that your plan has been that none should perish and it all should come to salvation in Christ Jesus. And so we ask as we study your word, would you make this plan come alive before us today? We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. John 3 begins with these first seven verses John interjects his comments about this man, Nicodemus. And I, I want to begin this by saying to you, Nicodemus was a very bright guy. He was a very learned man. He was extremely intelligent. Uh, he wasn't lacking in mental capacity. And in fact, you might have said that he was part of the intelligent elite of the day. He had been to what we would call college, religious college, he was not just a Pharisee, but he was also a ruler of the Jewish people, so he was well thought of. And it is this man who has an inquiring mind, because you know inquiring minds want to know, right? He has an inquiring mind. He's a seeker. He's someone who's looking for the truth. And inherent within all of mankind, high 90 percentile, is that desire to understand what's beyond what we can physically see. 
We call it the spirit realm, the spirit world. Some people refer to it as alien civilizations in space. But we believe almost universally that there is something beyond what we can see. That life somehow, as we live it on this earth, our few years that we manage to uh, eke out an existence on this planet, maybe 70, 80, 90, 100 years, that there's more to it than that. It is that question that Jesus begins to answer here in the beginning, the opening volley of John's gospel in chapter 3. He tells us, in essence, what it means to be a child of God. Verse 1, John 3, And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. The Pharisees were the legalistic branch of the Jewish religious leadership. They attended to the duties in the temple compound itself. Uh, They were highly versed in especially the Torah, the first five books of Moses, what would have been the common understanding of the word of God at that time, primarily. They certainly would have known the prophets, the minor prophets, the books of wisdom. They would have known largely the Tanakh, what we would call the Old Testament. But he was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And so we see just a little glimpse into who this man was. But this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, simply means teacher, learned one, one who has something to say, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. And when he says that, I believe he is largely speaking for the religious rulers of the day, the Jewish religious rulers of the day, specifically the Pharisees, that group of people who knew the one true God. We know you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So I shared on Thursday night the authenticating miracles, the sign and wonders, the things that Jesus did during the early formation of the church, that two and a half years that he spent with the disciples wandering around the region of Galilee and near the city of Jerusalem as he raised people from the dead, as he healed all manner of sickness, as he caused blind people to see and lame people to walk, as he fed thousands of people, those things were not everyday occurrences prior to Jesus getting to earth. Amen? This was something new. The Jewish religious leadership had been looking for Messiah since Moses handed down what we call uh, the first five books. They knew Messiah would come. The seed of the woman. Genesis begins the journey for us. And so they were looking. They said, we know that you can't do these things unless there's God in you. God near you. God, There's something between you and God. And Jesus answered and said to him, and now the words of the Lord himself, most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, remember this is a personal conversation. It happens at night. They are likely completely alone, save maybe a handful of the disciples. And within earshot, recorded by the 
Apostle John, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's narrow. That's specific. That is very concise, extremely pointed to someone who is very religious. Someone who is morally upright. Someone who is intelligent. Someone whose duty is to do good. Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. And Nicodemus said to him in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Now, we who know the Lord kind of look at this question and it's like, well, we know what Jesus was saying. I mean, come on. But Nicodemus did not know. Nicodemus was asking a legitimate question. His understanding had not quite yet made it to where it needed to go. And that is the case with many today. Many people are looking to you to explain the good news of the gospel to them. And I would suggest to you that you keep it simple. That you don't complicate it. That you don't attach to it, well, you need to go to Calvary Chapel, South Bay. You need to attend this church or that church. Or you need to have this version of the Bible or that version of the Bible. And while all those things that you might interject there could be, well, good... They are not essential for salvation. The Bible is very clear on this, and Jesus is going to make it pointedly clear. How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, make sure you read that correctly. It's not two things linked together. It's two very separate things. The first one of which, every last one of you, if you're here today, uh, you were born of water. Matter of fact, so much so that physiologically, if you happen to be driving to the hospital and your wife is in labor, and the water breaks, you're like, oh no. Because we're all carried around in a wonderful sack of amniotic fluid that is largely water. And so he's saying every last person is born of water. Every one of us in this room was born of water. You weren't born in a test tube. You were born in water. But he says, and the Spirit, he adds another criteria. He says, look, there's an issue. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must also be, is another way to look at it, born of the Spirit. Or, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, the Spirit. He's making a clear distinction. There is a world 
that is not of this world, but is of our Father's world. It's His kingdom, His kingdom that will come and is coming and has come in a measure to all have believed. As you walk around as a believer, the Spirit of the living God actually dwells in you. There's a little bit of that kingdom that's residing right now in you. But one day the fullness of it will be revealed from heaven. And so he says in verse 7, Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. If you didn't get it the first time, get it the second time. First time he says, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he says, You must be born again. If you haven't been born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. I got a few emails. Well, you've been kind of preachy lately. This is preachy stuff. Don't get mad at me. Jesus wasn't telling Nicodemus, you make up your own way to heaven. He was saying, Nicodemus, you're a good man. You're a religious man. You are a morally upright man, and you're still going to perish unless you're born again. Oh, people hate it when you say that. They get right up in your grill, right in your face. It's like, are you telling me I, I have to see things your way? No, I'm not telling you that at all. I'm telling you, Jesus said, you must be born again. You may not like that. Maybe you're here today and you're in that category of people who find the way too narrow that leads unto righteousness. But the Bible is very clear on this. And while, yes, this is a message where Jesus is saying something very specific and extremely exclusive, here's the good news. Anyone who will believe in him can be saved. So in that sense, it's very exclusive. And it's as easy as believing on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So while saying it's exclusive, he's saying, but every last one of you can do it. None of you are excluded. And if you want to believe, you can believe. He says in verse 8, and though we're not looking at it, it says that where the wind blows, it goes where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. You can't tell where it came from, where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. He says it's something you're not going to intellectually completely understand, Nicodemus. It's a miracle of God. Can I say to you this morning that salvation is a miracle of God? That any of us get to spend eternity with God is a miracle. Let me tell you why. It does three impossible things. And family of God, these things are impossible. God's going to make your sinful past as if it had never happened. Hallelujah. Anybody excited about that? I am. My sinful past has been erased by the blood of the Lamb. Every evil thought, every evil deed, all that I have done, thought to do, purpose to do, willed to do, has been cleansed from my record by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
When he says you must be born again, that is the only way to have that happen. You see, these are impossible things because you can't do it yourself. A second impossible thing. You used to be dead in your trespasses and sins. But he has made you alive. You went from dead to alive. You went from spending eternity separated from God to spending eternity with God in fellowship with him in the fullness of joy. You were dead and he's made you alive. Not by religion, not by church, not by knowing every single word that's in the Bible, not by taking college classes on salvation, not by coming from a Christian family, not by being in the right place at the right time. He has made you alive simply by believing on the only begotten Son of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I know some folks that would like to make it something other than you must be born again. You need to join this group or join that group or see this that way. Or s- there is no other condition in Scripture except that you believe. That's it. It's not believe and tithe. It's not believe and have a King James Bible. It's not believe and go to an evangelical Bible teaching church. And by the way, all those things can be good. One would even say that there are some of these things that I will mention you should do, like be baptized. We're going to have one next Saturday. If you're here and you haven't been baptized, in Jesus' name, get signed up after church. Join us at the baptism. Let's have a barbecue and a baptism. Let's celebrate new life in Christ. Amen? But I can tell you what won't save you, that water in the pool. It won't save you. It won't cleanse you. It is only a picture of what's already happened because you have been born again and so you're identifying with the life that saved you, Jesus Christ. You see, that's an impossible thing. You literally have gone from death to life. And then the third thing that happens is you now become as certain about God as God is about himself. Because he's going to impart to you the Holy Spirit. And so the reality that you currently are under, which is this world is all there is, is going to get changed. He's going to give you a new nature in Christ Jesus. The old things are going to be passing away continually as long as you're on this earth. And you are going to have new understanding that there is a God and that God loves you. And in fact, that God came to this earth as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and died in your place so that you could have fellowship eternally with him. You're going to be certain about that by being born again. Beautiful picture. You see, here's the deal. You were all born once. You need to be born again. Because if you're only born once, the Bible says you're going to die twice. 
You're going to die the first time, whether you knew it or not, when you came in here, you were born. You had a birthday, your physical birthday, and that birthday was the beginning of your last day on earth. Did you know that? The moment you took your first breath, you were heading to your last breath. That's a truth. There's any doctors in here? Say amen. We're all going to die physically. You were on a long, slow journey towards death the moment you took your first breath. Here's the good news. If you are born a second time, you will not ever die. You see, you can be born twice and die once, or you can be born once and die twice. The choice is yours. Revelation 20 Revelation 2, Revelation 21, all picture a second death, which is way worse than the one that you are likely all going to experience unless the Lord returns for his church and we get raptured. That'd be a good way to end the day. Amen? Matter of fact, you can come right now. I'm ready to go. Choice is yours. What's Jesus say about that? You must be born again. Not to be a good idea. Not, well, if you're feeling religious, you know, join a religious group. Not if you're a very moral person. You know, a good way to express your morality is Judeo-Christian ethics. Now, Jesus said very simply, you must be born again. In other words, there has to be that new birth. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven, there must be a new birth. It's that simple. Nicodemus is asking a question. How do I get there? Well, you have to be born again, Nicodemus. And so he says, what are you talking about? Baptism? What are you talking about? The Jewish people understood baptism. As a Pharisee, he understood very well what baptism was. Every time he touched anything that was unclean, any time he went someplace he shouldn't go, saw something he shouldn't see, any time he was preparing to go to synagogue, he would go baptize himself. He would head to the nearest mikveh, and he would take off his clothes and go in the water, and he'd pull his knees up to his chest three times and say, I am clean, I am clean, I am clean. He would walk up the steps without touching himself with anything, lift his hands to the heavens, and I am clean before you, O God. You see, you say, well, is that what you're talking about? Talking about baptism? Talking about water? Look, I can tell you right now, looking at you, there ain't enough water in all the earth's oceans to cleanse off what's all wrong with you. Right? There isn't for me either. Wouldn't matter who you picked. It wouldn't matter who you choose. All the washing in the world, the moment you step back out of the water, first thing that's going to happen, I'm cold. You'd be whining your way to the synagogue. It's like some of you were this morning coming to church. Sit down back there. We're going to church. And then you have your kids go, that wasn't very much like Jesus, Dad. Personal experience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
There is none righteous, not one. Amen? Romans 3.23 is pretty explicit. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we're all going to die twice unless we're born again. There has to be that new birth, and that new birth comes by two new spiritual parents. In spite of what our world says, two parents are still necessary to make life. Two pieces of genetic material combined together forming a zygote. That zygote begins to expand and rapidly divide, making every last cell system functioning part of your body. You become you because there was a mom and a dad. But you're a new you. In the very same way, there is a spiritual new you. Because the word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and the spirit of God joined together to recombine your spiritual DNA and make a new you, a saved you. And now all of a sudden, you're not who you used to be. You see, you're born into this world a sinner. People hate that when I say it. I'm not a sinner. Well, tell God that. Let him know that you think you're not a sinner. No, you're a sinner. Scripture is very clear. In fact, you were conceived in sin, born in sin, and you're going to remain a sinner while you're here. As long as you're in that fleshly body, you must be born again of the word of God and of the spirit of God. That's how we know the plan of salvation. And so these words are very important to us. So we ask, you know, what can I go back and be rebirthed from my Of course not. Is he talking about baptism? You know, people always say, well, you know, you have to be baptized. I beg to differ with you. Not because I want to argue with you. But if you have to be baptized to be saved, then Jesus lied to us. Because I do believe he said to the thief on the cross, Today you shall be with me in paradise. He didn't have a chance to go get baptized. Jesus didn't say, man, I sure hope you can get those nails out of your hands. <laughs> you're, you're this close. You're almost there. You're nearly saved. I'm really sorry about the conditions of life, but you have to be baptized to be saved. That isn't what Jesus said. And by the way, there were two thieves there, amen? How many messages did Jesus preach? One. There were two responses. To the thief who believed, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's because he was born again. By the Spirit of God hanging on a cross, he simply believed and received that wonderful grace gift by faith. And nothing else needed to be done. Now people say, wow, you know, are you disrespecting? No, I'm not at all. If you're a Christian, you're here today and you're alive. If you're in a wheelchair, we will put you in the pool and baptize you. Serious. Why? Because you're telling the whole world, I love Jesus. And it's such a boost to your faith and the faith of others. It is what Jesus said we should do. But make no mistake, you're not saved because you got baptized. You're saved because you believed. 
You're going in that water to tell the world that you believe. You, you see, to be born of, of water is just simply to recognize your sin nature. You are a sinner. You do need a Savior. But you can't save yourself. That's why it brings new life. It, it, it doesn't reconstitute your old life in that sense. You know, it's amazing to me how many people believe that the new life that we get in Christ is just kind of the cleaned up old life. There is no amount of dunking in a baptismal that's going to do that. There's no amount of you rectifying the rights of the past that's going to do that. There, there is no amount of you doing anything that's going to do that, for by the works of the flesh is no one justified. You cannot become a child of God by doing good things. Now let me broaden your understanding of this principle a little bit. If you took every good deed of every single person who has ever lived throughout all of mankind's history on this earth, and you took and you could somehow put them into a giant pot, and they could be collected, and you took one human individual... And they were able to absorb all of the good deeds of all of mankind throughout all of human history, it would still fall short of saving them eternally. They'd still perish and go to hell without Jesus Christ. There is no amount of good works. You can't be saved by good works. You can't be saved by Bible knowledge. You can't be saved by church attendance. You cannot be saved by giving. You cannot be saved by anything because the new life that you need is not life of this earth. It's eternal life that originated in heaven and must be given to you as a gift by the grace of God. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it. But it's a free gift for anyone who wants it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. 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 Why do we say that? Because then anybody can have it. It's not an exclusive club. It is very narrow and extremely specific. But anyone who wants it can have it. If you want to go to heaven, you can go to heaven. If you want to believe... You can believe and be saved. Nobody is... That's why Scripture is absolutely correct when it says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Because God does want everyone to be saved. He makes the plan, new life, which He will give you as a gift. And when He gives you that new life, everything changes. Mind-boggling. Glorious, beautiful. We need to understand the real problem. You have, to, you have to understand the problem. You see, the problem is not a social problem. The problem is not a poverty problem. The problem is not a language translation problem. The problem is not people were born in the wrong continent. The problem is not an earthly problem. The problem is a problem that can only be solved with heavenly means. 
because we were all born as sinners, we all need the eternal solution to that sinfulness. Come back tonight, we're going to be looking at temptation. What it is, why it exists. Evil, what it is, why it exists. Can I say to you, it'd be a great thing if someone in here, maybe someone in here, has in their mind the cure for cancer. Oh, praise God. To never see another child suffer with childhood leukemia. I'd be mind-boggling. But can I tell you something? Even if you cured cancer, every person that you cure will still die. If you were to have the cure for all the world's poverty, every last person who's cured of poverty will still die. And when they die, they will either be a transformed sinner with new life who now has a Savior and going to heaven, or they're going to still perish. So the problem is not an earthly one. It's an eternal one. So what's the essential? Family of God, what's the essential? You see, as wonderful as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is, they give billions of dollars to provide clean water, health care. Fantastic what they do. But Bill and Melinda Gates don't have the cure for what ails this world. It's not more money. It's actually not clean water, as wonderful as those things are. As fantastic as their philanthropy is. The problem is, unless you be born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. You see, because what happens when you have your life changed and you get that new life that comes in Christ Jesus, you love your enemies. You want to put an end to war? Spirit of God can do that. You want to put an end to poverty? Transform every last life on this planet to someone who believes in Christ Jesus. How can you see your brother who has need and do nothing about it and say that the love of God dwells in you? You see, that's a Christian principle that comes by believing in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not that other people can't do good, but you won't fix the problem until you actually fix the problem, and it's not an external one, it's an internal one. We need to know the Lord Jesus. That will fix those things. So my question to you is the same. Maybe you're here today, and you think you're good enough And I want to tell you right now, I'm super grateful. I'm thankful for all the cumulative good deeds of all people. It's wonderful that people are good. But your goodness can't save you. Your good deeds never could. That's why when someone says, well, I think I'm I'm good with God. I have people tell me that all the time. me, Me and the big guy are good. 
No, without Jesus, you and the big guy are not good. Matter of fact, the Bible says you're actually still at war with them. And that one day the wrath of God is going to be applied to your life unless you repent and be saved. So the question remains. If you want to see the kingdom of God, then you have to answer the question. Are you born again? Would you stand with me? The worship team's going to come back up. And I want to give you an opportunity. Because maybe you came in today and I recognize that many of you, most of you, likely have given your life to Jesus Christ. But I believe the gospel is so simple that a message like this, I need to ask you for a response. And so if you would bow your heads and pray with me. And if you're here today and you honestly cannot say to yourself, I I don't know that I've ever believed on Jesus Christ. I don't know if I died right now that I'm actually born again. I'm here to tell you, you must be born again. And if you want to do that, you can do it right now. And if that's you, I just simply want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I want to pray with you and we'll just invite Jesus into your life right now. That's you, anyone at all, anywhere in the sanctuary. Just slip your hand up. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Bible's clear. You have to be born again if you want to see the kingdom of heaven. I see that hand in the back. Praise the Lord. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the back. See these hands to my left. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Believers, please, please be praying. Salvation has come to the house of God. Her hands up all over the sanctuary. Please, don't be looking around. You be praying. Seek the throne of God right now for these people's lives because it matters. Anyone else? See that hand as well. Praise God. Just slip your hand up. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. It's that simple. If you want to be saved, Jesus is inviting you right now to be saved. Not me, Jesus is. Anyone else at all? Just keep your hand up for a moment longer. I'm going to pray with you. Those that have raised your hands, would you pray with me? You have to mean this from your heart. I can't pray it for you, but I can lead you. So just pray out loud these words. Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I know I need a Savior. I'm inviting you into my life. I'm asking you to forgive my sin, to write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, I'm asking you to make me born again, to give me that second birth. I believe in my heart, and now I want to live my life for you. And so, Lord, change me from the inside out help me to walk in that new life promise to live for you the rest of my days in Jesus name amen God bless you you just joined the family and while we amen Amen. You know, we celebrate earthly birthdays. Today we get to celebrate a whole bunch of people's 
spiritual birthday. Amen. 